I have been preaching through John chapter 4, which is a beautiful narrative about a um, discussion between a Samaritan woman and Jesus of Nazareth. It is recorded by John the Apostle and recorded in some detail, and so we've been going through it step by step and looking at this discussion that happened between Jesus and this woman at the well. I want to remind you on the front end that this is true God in the flesh, and this is the character of the Creator God revealed here at this well and talked about in this conversation. And when you see Jesus interacting with this woman, you are picking up on who God is. This is the clearest picture of the Creator God you will ever get, not in philosophy, not in theology, not anywhere else that you may look where you see such a clear picture of God as you see when you watch Jesus interact with people. This is the brightness of the image of God and the exact representation of His nature. So if your picture of the Creator God does not conform to this narrative that I'm about to read, then you need to change how you think about God. All right? This is a wonderful, compelling picture of the very heart of God here at this well in Samaria. Now, I have uh, been talking about the preliminary part where Jesus sits down and he's tired and he asks her for a drink. She is startled and says, how can you, a Jewish man, ask me for a drink? A Samaritan woman, what in the world's going on? And Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's talking to you, you would ask him and he'd give you living water. And she says, well, you have nothing. You have nothing to draw with and this well is deep. How are you going to get this living water? And that's where we pick up on the story in verse 13. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go. Call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. Fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Now, we've been watching Jesus as he shares good news with this woman. And here he is at the point where she says, give me this water. I want it. And Jesus turns the conversation in a different way. Instead of leading her in a prayer... He says, go, go, 
get your husband and come back. Does that surprise you? He sends her away. Go get your husband. He sends her away. Jesus is not reticent to send people away with his words. He speaks the truth. So when the rich young ruler who could have endowed his movement comes very interested in eternal life, Jesus says to him, one thing you lack, sell everything you have, give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And the scripture says that rich man went away, how? Sad. For he had a lot of money. And he didn't take Jesus up on his author offer he left. Jesus had great crowds following him in John chapter 6. And Jesus said to them, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Well, that's a hard saying. All of us would say and agree. And the crowd was shocked by what he said and disturbed. They began to mumble among themselves, what in the world is he talking about? In fact, John records that a lot of the people then stopped following him. They left. Jesus said to the disciples, are you going to go away too? That's when Peter said, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. So it was a moment for Peter as he hung in there, even though the crowds left. It's a surprise. Why does Jesus say to her, Go get your husband and come back. What's up with this? I think that Jesus is doing here what he did with the rich young ruler and his money. He is identifying the cost of discipleship for this woman. This is what it will cost you to follow me. To be my disciple. He is putting his finger on the very place where he must to help her understand what it means to have living water that flows inside of you and never runs dry. In other words, Jesus wants full disclosure. Full disclosure is the go before the gift she's got to realize and recognize who he is and also fully confess who she is now his question does identify who he is for her she goes and tells the townspeople wow here's a guy that told me told me everything I ever did I mean, it's amazing. He has supernatural knowledge. Surely he's the Messiah. So she's learning something about Jesus from this question. But she's also learning something about herself. Trusting Jesus means that you entrust what you know of yourself to what you know of God. You don't now, nor will you ever, know God fully. But you can trust Him fully with what you know of Him. And you also must entrust to Him what you know of yourself. Her marital situation was so significant to her, so important to her self-identity, 
and her self-understanding that she had to go there before she could have this living water. So Jesus identifies for her the place. Now she had reasons for why this was the story of her life. She might have said, well, you don't know how difficult it is for a woman to survive by herself in this culture. The only security that you have financially is to have a man providing for you. And so that could have been part of her story. Or maybe part of her story was the power of her sexuality. That she felt powerless in the world. And there was no place that she could control except she had this power. In being a woman attractive to men. And she used that to build her security and her place in the world. Jesus wanted her to identify what was going on with the story of these relationships and to know she had to bring those to God. It is full disclosure. Now, we have lots of questions about this woman. Why had she been married five times? Someone said, well, maybe all five of her husbands died. She'd been widowed five times. I guess that's a possibility. Someone said, well, she could not bear children. And so she went through a succession of husbands because they were unsatisfied with her once they realized she could not have children. Well, the text doesn't say that, but I guess that's a possibility out there. Some would say she is promiscuous. And she uses men to accomplish her goals in life. Well, was she rejecting men or were they rejecting her? We don't know. We have so many questions about this woman at the well. But as a witness, we're on a need-to-know basis about the problems in another person's life. Jesus puts sin on the wellhead when he says, go, get your husband, and come back. He knows this has got to be part of the conversation. And you do the same. When you share with somebody the verse that Diane shared with her mother and just shared with us, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You have great news to share with those that you love. News of the, of the care and concern of God and His forgiveness that is freely given to those who believe. But you also have this news to share. All have sinned. We got to be honest about our sin. We have rationalizations. We have justifications. Sometimes we tell ourselves lies about our past behavior and we deceive ourselves in order to live with the things that we've done. We cover them over and gloss them. We have euphemisms to talk about our rebellion against the law of God and the word of God and the things we knew were right that we did not do and the things we knew were wrong and we plunged right in and we gloss those things over and we talk 
in soft terms about them, but what you really have to do is face the fact that you're a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It takes full access. In other words, it's full disclosure on the one hand of who you are and full access to Jesus on the other. See, the witness does not need to know the story of the person's life. When you say all have sinned, that person's mind races to the place of their greatest moral failure. And you may think you know what place that is, but you don't. It is known only to that person, that woman at the well, and only to Jesus, the man at the well, and that is sufficient. Jesus knew her story, and she knew her story. And Jesus took her to that place because she had to admit that she was a sinner. And the sin ran deep. See, the inner you is the sinner you. You want to think that you're fundamentally good, but the Scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and fundamentally, you are a lawbreaker, and you know it in your heart. You have broken the law of God, and you have fallen short of His glory, and that's the truth about you. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have good qualities, for you are made in the image of God, and that's a beautiful thing. When Jesus comes to knock on your door, he must have full access to you. That's the hurt before the healing. See, the go before the gift is you are a sinner. And the hurt before the healing is, Jesus, I'm opening this door wide unto you. He wants to come in, but you've got to open the door. You can't open it just the chain links. You can't receive him through the screen door. You've got to open the door wide to Jesus and let him come in to your house and hold nothing back. He must have full access in you to the very center of your being, to the place in your heart that is the place where he wants to plant the living water. It's the very middle of you and the center of you. And right now that center is broken. He takes us to the place of shame and brokenness because that's the place where the well's got to go. That's the place where the living water runs. Janet and I went to a estate sale yesterday and walked into a home full of the goods of a departed loved one and we went from room to room and discovered as we went through the house that the home had never been restored after Hurricane Katrina and that all the sheetrock had been cut off four feet above the ground there was electricity and apparently there was plumbing and apparently somebody lived in this house I don't know how long 
But in every room you could look to the others and all of the rooms had naked studs. And you could see through the house. You can't have that kind of transparency in normal life with all the people around you. You can't live that open with that kind of full access. But that's the kind of access you've got to give to God if you want the well that never runs dry running inside of you. See, Jesus wants to give her this gift. But first, she's got to let him into the place where it must be planted which is the very center of our being. He wants in all the way. My father had open heart surgery 11 years before he died, and for those 11 years he thought about how they broke open his chest, they cut his rib cage, opened him up, and repaired his heart. And he said after that surgery, he could feel the sides of his rib cage going in back and forth in the seesaw that they'd never done before. And it reminded him of how that surgeon had to break him open and go all the way inside to repair that diseased heart. In order for Jesus to set the well flowing in this woman's life, he's got to go all the way to her heart. And it's true about you as well. It's scary because we don't let people go there. We don't let strangers in that place. We have secrets that we never tell. But we must fully disclose and give full access to the God who wants to transform us. Now there is complete healing, all right? This gift is beyond our grasp, but there is complete healing in this living water that never runs dry. Think about Jesus talking to this woman there beside the well. He is the one who will very soon experience the trial before Pilate and the Jewish council. He is the one who will be beaten and crucified and hung up to die. And why? For her sin, for her story, for her failure, for the mess she made of her life. Jesus will take upon himself the penalty for all her missteps, her mistakes, and her sins. And he will bear them when he dies upon the cross. He can offer her on this day the living water that never runs dry because he's going to pay this penalty that she owes before a holy God. He's going to be the lamb, the unblemished, perfect lamb that is slain for the sins of the world, including the sins of this Samaritan woman. Now, the miracle that she encounters by the well is this. This is the transformational moment. She realizes that Jesus already knew what she didn't want to tell him. He asked her for a drink 
and he already knew completely who she was. He had this conversation with her even though he knew the story of her life. He offered her living water even though he understood what other people didn't understand. This history that she had. The miracle she found at the well was that Jesus knew and loved her still. The inner you is the sinner you. But Jesus loves sinners. Can you receive this? Jesus loves sinners. It's the miracle of grace. It's the wonder of God's character. It's the amazing news that gives you a whole new view of the world and your life. He knows you, every secret about you, everything you've ever done. He understands and sees, and he loves you still. Think about that. You think to yourself, if people knew who I really was on the inside, they'd run as fast as they could. Sometimes I think about myself that way. If people only knew the foibles and the failures, they wouldn't want to know me. They wouldn't care about me. Maybe you're the person who says, why would God love me? The mess I've been, the mess I am, why would God love me? I think it was startling to this woman to realize that this Jewish man had entered into a conversation with her and drawn her to God in a way she'd never experienced before. And all the time, he knew her story. She didn't tell her story. Jesus told her story. Who is this Jesus that we talk about on Mother's Day and every other Sunday? He is the holy and righteous one. He is the promised one. He is the Messiah and Savior of the world sent from a holy God, the creator God, to communicate to us his grace, his love, his care for us, and to provide a way for us in the into the family of God through his death upon the cross. That's who he is. Who is this man beside the well? Rahab was a prostitute who came to believe that the God of Israel was the one true God. And when the Hebrew spies came into Jericho, she hid them in her house knowing that the whole city would reject her because of it. And when the walls fell in Jericho and the city was destroyed, they came to Rahab's house and they left it standing. And she... Rahab the prostitute was the great, 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 great grandmother of the man beside the well. He had another great, great grandmother named Tamar who seduced her father-in-law and had children by him. He had another great, great grandmother named Ruth 
who was an alluring foreigner, not even a Jew. He had another great-great-grandmother named Bathsheba who had a scandalous affair with the king. In fact, his own sweet mother, Mary, was pregnant without being married. And the townspeople assumed she was a fornicator. The man by the well, he had a long history of loving troubled people. And he loves you like that. And you can trust him with the inner you because he will turn that unholy place in the middle of you into a holy place through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. What you got to do is pull back the curtain and let him in. I'm calling you today to do like the woman at the well did. Face the truth of your own fallen nature, of the sin that persistently pulls you down. And see the love of God so passionate for you, even though he knows you completely and every secret thing. And trust this God who has not only brought you into being, but who has come himself in Jesus of Nazareth to rescue you from your sin. Bow with me, please. As we bow our heads here in this place, I am confident that the Holy Spirit of God is doing what he did at the well that day. He's drawing men and women to himself. There's somebody in this room who has kept secrets a long time, and you need to allow the God who loves you to the very center of who you are, receiving his forgiveness and seeing the transformation happen that happened to that woman at the well. If it's you that needs such a new beginning, a spiritual rebirth, would you pray, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for my sin. I believe you died on the cross for me and rose again from the dead. And I open the door of my life unto you. Father in heaven, I pray for men and women and boys and girls, young people in this room who have yet to experience the wonder that Diane talked about in her testimony that change that is permanent, that happens in the heart when we allow Jesus to come in, when we open the door unto him, when we receive by faith what he offers in grace and experience this living water.
that never runs dry. So, Holy Spirit, do your work. We commit this moment unto you. In Jesus' name, amen.